Well, good morning, if anyone, no one has said that to you this morning. Good morning. It's so wonderful to be with you all, to be able to share in God's Word this morning. We're going to be continuing a series that we've been talking about called Building Blocks. This is a series where we're going back to the basics, getting into the foundations of what we're supposed to do as Christians. In the first week, we talked about the reality that Christ should be our cornerstone, that Christ is our foundation, that he is the most important thing about us. Everything in our lives needs to be built upon Jesus, our cornerstone. He is the one that makes everything right in our lives. We don't get to do it ourselves. We don't get to, to make things up ourselves, but Jesus must be our everything. With this in mind, we went on to our first building block last week where we talked about prayer. We talked about how God desires to commune with us. He's not up there just dreading and not wanting us to come to him. He is a God who desires for us to have relationship with him. He's a God who desires for us to approach him in prayer. And so last week we talked about this approach to God, how we should approach him in humility, not coming boastfully or saying, look at me and all I've done, God, but instead looking to him in humility based on who he is and not who we are. We talked about five different types of prayer. We talked about praise and thanksgiving. We talked about intercession, supplication, and lament. We talked about how each of these need to be present in our lives as we come before the Lord in order to have a full prayer life. And the reason that I want to give this little bit of a recap is because as we're going through this series, I want to let us know that all of these things work together. We start with Christ as our cornerstone, and then each week we're building on top of that. Last week we talked about prayer as that first building block, and this week we get to dive into the topic of Scripture, if you hadn't guessed already based off of our worship this morning. I'm really excited about this because Scripture is a really important thing. Anyone know that, that Scripture is an important thing for our lives? Well, you may not know this, uh, the Bible is the most common book that's ever been produced. It's been produced more than any other book that's ever been printed. Since the advent of the printing press, it's estimated that five to seven billion copies of the Bible have been produced. That's a lot of copies of an old book that's been produced. But we know it's not just an old book, it's the words of life. It's the words of the Lord to us and for us. And while we live in an age where Scripture is more accessible than ever, I think it's also this, this reality that while it's accessible, we often are illiterate to it. Though we have access, we often don't heed its words. As I was preparing this week for this sermon, I took a look around my office just to see how many copies of Scripture I had. I had over 20 different versions and formats of the Bible, and then I looked at my phone. I have nine different apps on my phone that help me to read Scripture, listen to Scripture, study Scripture. Scripture is very accessible to us in a real and tangible way. We go nowhere without it because it's literally in our pockets at a moment's notice for us to refer to. And it, it makes us beg the question is, if Bible ownership's at an all-time high, if Bible accessibility is at an all-time high, then why is Bible knowledge and obedience at an all-time low? It goes without saying that access to the Bible doesn't make us obedient to the Bible. That takes a conscious decision for us to, to recognize that something is here and it's important. 
It's not just an old book that sits on our shelf. It's not just something that we pull out on Sunday mornings, but it's God's word to us. And so this morning, I'm excited to dive into this topic because sometimes we can think as Christians that we got this down. Like we know that scripture is to us. We know that scripture is for us. We got this part down. Pastor, I don't need you to give me a sermon on scripture. I got this. I read it once a year. Not saying any of you do that, but if we look at statistics, and this is my third week in a row of sharing some research and statistics, so maybe that's a key to what I want to reveal to us. Lifeway Research in 2020 did a survey. They did a survey among evangelical Christians, so that's you and me who are sitting here who declare that Jesus is Lord, who declare that there requires this new life in him in order to be saved. So you and me, they do a survey of evangelical Christians in 2020. But what they found was that there's great confusion about what the Bible teaches, This is why we need this sermon, because there's great confusion about what the Bible teaches. Of those that were surveyed by Lifeway Research, 42% of them, 4 out of 10 evangelical Christians, believed that all religions were acceptable to God. That all religions were okay, that Jesus was just one way among a plethora of ways to God. That he wasn't the only way. Now, if that's not bad enough, 30% of those who were surveyed believed that Jesus was just a good teacher. He was just a great moral teacher. He wasn't God in the flesh. Now, these are two of the most basic biblical doctrines that we can get at, that there is one way to the Father, that Jesus came in the flesh so that we might have access and reconciliation to God. Basic doctrine. That Jesus is God who is pre-existent, who is pre-eminent, who was not created, but has existed throughout all eternity. Basic doctrine. And yet in these two basic doctrines, self-proclaimed Christians are confused. We don't know what the Bible actually teaches. As Christians, we're faced with a world that tells us we can do whatever we want. That we can believe whatever way we want to believe. That we can find our own truth. But that's not what Scripture tells us. Scripture shows us that God has a way for us. That he has a way of life that we need to be submitted to. See, our beliefs about God, about the Bible, about who Jesus is, can't be of our own making. They're not whatever we decide them to be. Instead, they must be found in Scripture. Our beliefs, our doctrine, our our foundational aspects of the Christian life must be found in Scripture. We don't get to, to make them up and decide what we want to believe. We must look to Scripture first. And so this morning, we're going to do two very practical things. We're going to talk about why we should study Scripture. That's an important thing that we, we should do as Christians, because obviously we need to spend some time in Scripture, because there's some confusion that's happening in God's church. And then we're going to talk about a really helpful way to study Scripture. So why we're studying Scripture and then a helpful way to study Scripture. Does that sound good to everyone this morning? Okay, I see some head nods. So, you know, if you guys slip in an amen every now and then or a hallelujah or or a glory to God, you know, that will be welcome, uh, you know. But there we go. Thank you, Mark. 
All right, let's go ahead and read 2 Timothy 3, verses 10 through 17 this morning. And just a little bit of a reminder, this is our third week doing this, and we're adding a little bit of a liturgical element into our gatherings. Liturgy, liturgy isn't a scary word. It literally means the work of the people. I've said this every week so that we can get this a little bit. The reason that we're doing this is, one, to bring honor to God's word, we want to recognize that these are the words of the Lord, that these are his instruction to us. It's his word that reveals who he is to us. So that's why I declare this is the word of the Lord after reading it. And then the response is simply, thanks be to God. It's recognizing that God has given us this and that it's something we should be thankful for. So let's go ahead and read 2 Timothy 3, verses 10 through 17. It says, You, however, know all my teaching." My way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, in Iconium, and Lystra? The persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know these, these, those from whom you have learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture God-breathed and is useful for teaching rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, so I want to talk and get us on the same foundation before we dive in and break this passage down. There are three primary things that Scripture does for us. This is a foundational aspect of what we're diving into today. The first thing that scripture does for us is it tells us who God is. That's a, the first purpose of scripture is to tell us who God is. Scripture isn't primarily a book about us. It's a book primarily about God. This is a foundational aspect, and it's important for us to understand this because this book that we're reading, this book that we're diving into, is primarily about God. We must know who he is first before we can do anything else. It starts with who God is. The second thing that Scripture does for us is it tells us who we are. After we understand who God is, then we can begin to learn who we are. Not based off what we see in the world around us. Not based off of what we want to be known as. Not based off of our own identity or our own wants, our own needs. We seek what Scripture tells us we are. We learn our identity through Scripture, not finding our true self in the world. So the first thing that Scripture does, it tells us who God is. The second thing that Scripture does, it tells us who we are. And then finally, the third thing that Scripture does, it tells us how to live in light of these two realities. Once we know who God is, then we find out who we are in relation to Him. And then finally, we learn how we're supposed to live in this life. Scripture tells us all of these things, but it must start with knowing who this Jesus is, who this God is, who the Holy Spirit is, then knowing who we are, and then looking for how we should live. We should approach the Bible that way, not primarily looking for instructions for how we should live, but primarily looking to relate to the God of the universe. 
So with these things in mind, let's go ahead and dive in to our passage. So the, the Apostle Paul is writing this letter to his spiritual son, Timothy. And Timothy is a pastor in God's church, and Paul is writing him this letter to help him faithfully pastor God's people. He's want to, wanting to help Timothy stay on the right path and make sure that God's people on, are on the right path. Now, if you look back immediately before what we just read, uh, you'll see that Paul is describing a lot of different people uh, in the preceding verses. And he's actually describing a people who, who have an understanding of truth, but live contrary to it. These are the same type of people that we talked about in that survey that happened at the beginning of the sermon. They have an idea of godliness. They have an idea of what truth is. But ultimately, they, they live in a contrary way. They look to themselves for answers instead of Scripture. Paul describes them as lovers of themselves, lovers of money. They're people without love for God. They're people without love for people. They're slanderers and they're lovers of pleasure. It's interesting to note, though, that Paul isn't describing people of the world. He's not describing people of the world who know nothing of Christ. Instead, he's describing Christians who would have an appearance of godliness, but based off of their life, prove themselves to not be in Christ. They show that while they claim one thing, that they haven't actually surrendered to the way of God. They've chosen their own path instead of yielding to Scripture. I want to say something that's a, a tough truth for us to understand this morning. I think this is really important, so please listen to me. Don't assume that you're living rightly just because you call yourself a Christian. Don't assume that your doctrine is right just because you call yourself a Christian. Our lives must be examined based off of what Scripture says for us. We must live in light of what Christ calls us to do, not what we decide we want to do. Calling yourself a Christian and living for Christ are two very different things. In order to be a Christian, we must be people who are submitted to Christ. And being submitted to Christ means being submitted to his word. We must be people of the word so that we can understand what salvation is and how we're to live in light of that reality. See, Paul, in this passage, he, he contrasts the way uh, of people who don't understand with the way that peop of people that do understand, primarily himself in this passage. He notes that Timothy can observe his faith, that Timothy can observe his love, his patience, and his teaching as evidence that he is faithfully following Christ. He reveals that he doesn't just claim something in his life, but that if you look at his life under a microscope, you can see that he's faithfully following Jesus. He's not just claiming to be a Christian, but he's living it out based off of Scripture. But he also makes a really interesting claim here in this passage that I don't want to brush over just because it doesn't necessarily support what we're talking about this morning. Uh, he notes that everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted as he has been. I thought scripture is supposed to give us hope and joy. This scripture isn't, isn't speaking to my peace, pastor. It's telling me I'm going to be persecuted, that I'm going to go through trials, and I'm going to go through tribulations, and that's true. If we live for Christ, and I mean really live for Christ, it will make us uh, an enemy to the world. 
It will make us live in such a way not to honor ourselves, not to honor uh, the world around us, but to honor Christ. And that makes us enemies with the world. But he also does something interesting here. He, he tells us that evildoers, which are those who are not Christians, and imposters, which are those who claim Christ and live for themselves, they'll always be with us. Well, that's not encouraging. He also says that they're always going to continue to do what sinners do, which is to sin. Well, that's not encouraging either. I want a good, feel-good message. And so Paul is telling us these things in, this, in the midst of this passage. He's telling us that there are going to be people that are going to continue to distort the truth. He's going to tell us that there's going to be persecution. These aren't fun things to go through. But I think the most remarkable thing about this passage isn't found what he just talked about, but instead is in the redirect. He acknowledges that these things are true. He acknowledges that the world is going to be worldly. He acknowledges that people aren't going to get it. He acknowledges that there's going to be persecution, but he doesn't tell Timothy to dwell on those things. He doesn't tell Timothy to dwell on all the things that are going wrong in the world or to live in fear of persecution. Paul instead tells Timothy to continue in the way of Jesus that has been revealed through the apostles and Scripture. He tells Timothy, don't worry about all those things that are going to distract you from faithfully living for Jesus. Don't worry about all the things that are going on in the world. But instead, focus on Jesus. If you and me, if professed Christians, spend as much time studying Scripture as we do complaining about the way of the world, then we'd see another great awakening. If we spent as much time in the Word, if we spent as much time with the Lord as we did worrying about the world around us, then we'd see another revival. We'd see a great awakening like we've never seen before. See, complaining about the world isn't going to change the world. What will change the world is you and I yielding to the power of God that's discovered through the scriptures. That will change the world. Is the world contrary to scripture? Absolutely. It's absolutely contrary to scripture. But posting about it constantly on social media isn't going to change anything except make people uh, a little tired of us being jerks. It's going to make people unfollow us and not want to, to see what we have to say. As Christians, we need to recognize that there's something different. That our hope isn't built on the world getting better. Our hope isn't built upon a certain political party being in power. Our hope isn't built upon laws being enacted the way we want them to be enacted. Instead, our hope is built upon Christ alone. Our hope is built upon Christ alone. We must remember that Jesus is the hope of the world. Jesus is the hope of the world. The reason that you and I are even sitting here today is because the Christians that came before us took his words seriously. Have you thought about that ever? That the reason that you and I are gathering in church this morning is because people took his words seriously before us. One of the big things in my life is legacy. I want to leave a legacy of disciples who go on to make other disciples, who go on to make other disciples, who long live past my usefulness here on the earth. 
And so that means taking scripture seriously. That means taking prayer seriously. That means taking evangelism and discipleship seriously. It means me yielding to the word of God and living according to what it says. See, the people that went before us, they changed the world because of their obedience to the way of Jesus. And they found what the way of Jesus looked like because of what Scripture said. So we must become people of the Word. In verse 16 and 17, Paul sums up his instruction to Timothy by telling him this. He says, all Scripture is God-breathed. It is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So I want to break this down for us. This is where we're going to spend the majority of our time this morning on these two verses. The goal of us studying Scripture, the goal of us studying Scripture is so that we might be equipped to live rightly before God. It's first to, to know God, to know who we are, and then to know how we're supposed to live rightly in relation to God. See, that means our way of life must be submitted to Scripture. Our whole selves must be submitted to Scripture. Not just the ones we want to submit to Scripture, not just the ones that are convenient to submit to Scripture, but our whole selves must be submitted to Scripture. See, if we claim that Christ is our cornerstone, if we claim that he is our savior, then we must yield to his word. We can't declare that Jesus is Lord and then not follow the teachings of the Lord. If Jesus is Lord, then he has the ability and the right to command us to do whatever he wants us to do. And in his scriptures is where we find out how we are to live. I want to say something that, that can sound harsh, but I think it's an important reality for us. If you have no desire, if you have no desire to live rightly for Jesus, then you need to repent. If you've declared that you're a Christian, if you've said that you're a Christian, but your life doesn't look like a Christian, if you have no desire to, to live for him, if you have no desire to pray, if you have no desire to get in the word, then you need to take a serious, serious look at yourself in the mirror. You need to see, did I just say something? Did I just pray a prayer and not mean it? Or have I really made Jesus my Lord? Have I really submitted my life to him? We don't become a Christian because we were raised in the church. We don't become a Christian because we know how to say the right things. We become a Christian when we repent and submit ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. When we make him our Lord and repent of our former way of life. A Christian in name only isn't a Christian. Our lives must bear evidence that we've surrendered to Jesus. When people look at us, they should see that there's something different. That we're not walking like the way of the world, but instead we're walking in the way of Jesus. That there's something different about us. And please don't misunderstand what I'm saying this morning. I'm not here to shame you. I'm not here to shame you. Instead, I'm here to call you towards Christ. I'm here to show you that following Jesus is a weighty thing. It's the reason that we must count the cost before we follow him. Because following after him will cost us everything. 
If we desire godliness, if we desire transformation, then we will be persecuted. When we live rightly for Jesus, it means we're an enemy to the world. See, his scripture is what shows us how to live. Not based off our opinion of what it means to be a Christian. Not based off of what someone else has told us it means to be a Christian. Our opinion of what it means to follow after Jesus needs to be submitted to Scripture. It's where we find our life. It's where we find our being. It's where we find Jesus himself. Let's talk about how we allow Scripture to shape our lives. Now, I want to propose that the four things that that Paul lists in verse 16, they actually build on top of one another. And they often work in a cycle in our lives as well. First and foremost, Scripture teaches us, as Paul writes here. It shows us who God is. It shows us who we are and how we're to live in light of those two realities. We can't know what it means to follow Jesus unless we know who Jesus is. And we can't know who Jesus is just based off what someone tells us about him. We must go back to the source. We must look to Scripture to see who this Jesus is, how he lived his life. How he related to God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. We must learn what Scripture says, and that's the first thing that Scripture does, is it teaches us about God. It brings us closer and closer to him. And then as we learn a bit more, Scripture rebukes us. And this is never the fun one, never the one that we want, but Scripture rebukes us by showing us how far off we are from God. It shows us how much we need to repent, how everything in our life is but filthy rags compared to who Jesus is. This rebuke happens when we're grossly sinning, when we've strayed from God, when we're living for ourselves, and it's out of God's goodness that he invites us into repentance. It's out of his faithfulness, out of his love that he rebukes us through Scripture. We can be reading through Scripture and find ourselves in a place where I'm not living like that. I don't look like the way I'm supposed to look. But Scripture doesn't exist to make us feel bad. God doesn't exist in the heavens to to make you, oh, you messed up again. You're never going to get it right. That's not what God is doing. The reason that he points out our flaws, The reason that he points out our sin, the reason that he points out where we have erred and gone astray is so that he could invite us into repentance. So that he might make us whole again. It exists to show us a more excellent way. Show us the way of Christ that leads to life. Now scripture also gently corrects us over time. Because even if we repent, even if we've been rebuked by God in a harsh way and then find our way back to him in repentance, we're always going to have all of these things in our lives that, that are going to be messed up. There are time and time and time again where I need to be corrected. Where I'm like, oh, the Lord has shown me how I should interact with people and then I interact harshly or interact abruptly or I do the wrong thing. And there are these things that may seem small, They may seem minor, but the more and more I live my life, I want to grow closer to Jesus. I want to be more and more transformed into the image of Christ, and that should be all of our goals. 
to allow Scripture to gently correct us over time through the illumination of the Spirit. Because as we grow closer to Jesus, we'll, we'll see more and more all the different ways in our lives that we don't measure up. We can think that we've, we've overcome all of these things in our life, and then the Lord's like, well, what about that? What, what about, have you thought about this? And it's not so that the Lord will make us feel bad. It's because he desires us to be holy. He desires us to be renewed. He desires for us to be transformed. That's why he gently corrects us throughout Scripture. Finally, Scripture trains us in righteousness. The Christian life is not a sprint, it's a marathon. It's not a once and done reality. It's a lifelong commitment and race towards Jesus. See, God desires for you, he desires for me to bear much fruit in our lives. He doesn't want us to, to live a, a life that produces sour grapes. He wants us to produce a life that's overflowing with the best fruit. It's overflowing with a type of fruit that makes others want to partake of the table of Jesus. That want to partake of what Jesus has to offer. And the way that he accomplishes this in our lives is by training us through discipline. Growth doesn't happen accidentally. Growth doesn't happen accidentally. It requires a deliberate effort to follow after Jesus. He trains us in righteousness by constantly pointing us to his scriptures, by constantly showing us that this is the way. This is the way in which we should go. So scripture teaches us, scripture rebukes us, it corrects us, and it trains us for righteousness. This is what Paul tells us here. Scripture is God's revealed word to us. It is trustworthy. It is true. It is the most well-preserved historical document in the history of all documents ever created. It is the most reliable thing we have ever witnessed in history. It is a miraculous work of God that we are able to see with certainty that this is God's word. And so studying scripture shouldn't be something that we, we begrudgingly do, but it should be something that we approach with joy, knowing that this is God's word to and for us. Scripture study is a worthy pursuit that bears much fruit in our lives. See, God's goal is for us to be thoroughly equipped by scripture for every good work. That's his goal with Scripture. It's not just an instruction book. He wants us to be equipped for every good work in relating to him, in relating to others. Scripture is life-giving. It's not life-taking. It's not something like, ah, I woke up this morning. I got to read the Bible. It's something where God invites us to learn about him, to know who he is, to show us the more excellent way. Now, unfortunately, Bible knowledge doesn't come through osmosis. We can't go to sleep at night, lay the Bible on our forehead, and wake up knowing everything about God. I really wish it happened that way. I would have saved a lot of money in Bible college if it happened that way. But it doesn't work that way. Instead, it requires us to develop a habit of studying Scripture. It requires us to come to the Word seeking what it says for us. Seeking what it says about God. 
We must develop a habit of Bible study in order to know what the Bible says. Coming to church on Sunday isn't enough to know what the Bible says. I expect you all to check my work. Like, please come to me if I ever say something that that you see is different than what you see in the Bible. As Christians, we're we're called to, to know the Word. Bible study is a lifelong pursuit that builds on top of itself over time. There have been certain people in my life that I've talked with and they're like, oh, I've read the Bible once. You know, I got everything I need to out of it. Oh, I've read the Bible twice. There's there's nothing new that I can learn there. But every time I go to Scripture, every time I go to Scripture, the Holy Spirit reveals things to me that I didn't see before. I see more and more the goodness of God, the love of God. Even in difficult passages, when I'm going through them, I'm like, God, how how does this reveal your love? He's like, it does. It shows just how good my plan of salvation is. See, the more you read, the more you study, the more you'll understand themes that are in the Bible. The more you'll see God's plan of salvation that's evident throughout every book of the Bible. The more you'll see Jesus in every story, in every page, in every period. So I want to end this morning by giving us a really practical Bible study method for us to use. I don't want to just talk about the why of Scripture. I want to talk about how we study Scripture. And so this isn't saying that uh, you have to do these things. You don't have to follow my method, but this is a method that I personally use. Uh, It's one that I've based off of a few other methods, and we do have printouts of this available on the back table in the lobby back there. And so if you want to follow along with this, uh, it's a helpful way to read Scripture. And that's a joke because the acronym is HELP. Uh, But I found it a really helpful way for us to approach Scripture. Now, I'm not giving a prescription on how much you should read every day or a specific Bible reading plan. Uh, There are plenty of those out there, and follow the one that you're currently doing. Follow the one that makes the best sense for you. I don't care if you read one chapter a day or 17 chapters a day. But if you're reading 17 chapters a day, please come talk to me because I need your Bible study method. I need you to teach me. I personally read somewhere between one and three chapters of Scripture today. If you're looking for a great place to get started, you don't know where to get started, go to one of the Gospels. Start with the story of Jesus. Go to the Gospel of John. As you read through Scripture, uh, this method just helps you simply journal through a variety of prompts. The H here stands for highlight. As you're reading through whatever scripture you're reading that day, you're going to to highlight a a portion of scripture, one verse, a paragraph, and then write that down. Don't just copy it. Don't just uh, highlight it in your Bible, but actually take the time to write it out by hand. When you do this, it has a better chance of actually becoming something that you know, something that's written on your heart. It creates some sort of retention inside of you by doing this practice. The E stands for explain. We shouldn't just read the Bible, go through it quickly and be like, okay, I've done that. I've read my chapters for the day. Instead, we should be able to give a recap of what we just read. And so the E is simply explain. Take a, a paragraph, two paragraphs to write down what you just read. Explain what it means in context. You're not looking for application. You're not looking for takeaways at this point. You're just looking to explain what you just read. 
Now, if you're new to this portion, if you, you need some help diving in, there's a resource called The Bible Project. They produce some really great, simple videos that are pretty short on every book of the Bible to help you break down the key themes, the key movements of Scripture. I recommend that as a simple, free starting place. If you need additional resources, please come talk to me. I'm happy to recommend more of those. You're going to write a paragraph to two paragraphs, remembering that this isn't a verse-by-verse commentary. You're not giving the full commentary on Scripture, but just an overview of what you read to help you refer back to it, to help you remember what Scripture says. Now, the L stands for learn. And if you're familiar with Bible study methods, you typically have an A in this portion of a Bible study method. And that A typically stands for apply. The reason that I don't have apply in this method is because we can't always apply Scripture to our lives. There's always something we can learn from Scripture, but there's not always something that we can apply because not all Scripture is about us. Some Scripture is about who God is or how we relate to Him. There's always something that we can learn from Scripture, but not necessarily always something we can directly apply and implement in our lives. Does that make sense? Okay. Cool. If not, you can come see me afterwards. But uh, the P stands, okay, let me go back to learn. You're writing just uh, key takeaways, things that you can see in the text, things that are revealed. They may be things that apply to your life or they may be things that you've learned about God. I typically write about a paragraph when I'm going through this for each chapter that I'm going through. The P stands for pray. You're simply going to write down a prayer in response to the scripture that you just read. As we learned last week, Scripture is full of ways to help us know who God is, how we should relate to Him. It's full of prayers in itself. And so as we're reading through Scripture, we want to pray God's Word back to Him. It helps spark different things in my life as I'm reading through Scripture. I'm like, oh, I really need to pray about that. I see little places throughout Scripture that help to correct me, help me to learn about God. And so I pray those as I'm going through Now, this may sound like a a big undertaking if you're new to this, but it usually takes me 20 to 30 minutes to do something like this. 20 to 30 minutes a day to dive into Scripture, to help me apply it to my life, to help me to learn from Scripture. I think that's a a pretty pretty good bet. The, The time of one Netflix show, the time of one Office episode. It's not a big undertaking to dive into Scripture. And like I said, you don't have to use this method. If you have a method that you already use that works for you, that's great. But if you're sitting here and like, oh, I don't need a method. I've been that person before. It's like, oh, I don't need any of those things to help me. I'm just going to do it myself. Me and the Holy Spirit, we got this. But when I put methods to my work, then I begin to learn more. Growth happens not by chance, but it happens purposefully when I spend time methodically going through the Word. I want to say this, if you struggle to make this a habit in your life, if you struggle with Bible reading, if you struggle with prayer, if you struggle with any of the things that we're talking about through this series, then create a reminder on your phone. We have a supercomputer in our pockets. Let's use it for good instead of just as a distraction. There are apps that'll help you do uh, habit tracking. There are just a reminder built-in app on your phone. There are all these things that we can do in order to make this a habit in our lives. Let's not allow ourselves to make excuses. We're never too busy. We haven't made time for it. We're never too busy to go to the Word. Again, this isn't for shame. This is to help us see that this is important for us. 
If we want to follow Jesus, then we need to spend time in his word. If we want to learn what it looks like to live out the way of Jesus, then we need to spend time learning the way of Jesus. And we don't learn that just based off what we see in other people. We learn that from the word itself. If you need additional resources, if you need additional help, if you have questions, please don't hesitate to reach out to me or to one of the other elders here at our church. We'd love to sit down with you. We'd love to help you dive into Scripture. There would be nothing that gives us more joy than to sit down with you and help you walk through the Word. You're not a burden. It's something that we would genuinely love. I want to remind us that Scripture is God's Word. It is life-giving. It's how we learn who He is. It's how we learn who we are. And it's how we learn how we're supposed to live in light of those two realities. Pray with me. Father, we are thankful for your word. We're thankful for your goodness and your grace. Lord, you've given us the words of life. You've revealed to us yourself through your word. You've shown us that we were created in your image, that we are created for your purposes. You've shown us the way that we might walk in it. And I pray that you would help us to be people of your word. That we wouldn't see Bible study as a chore, but we would see it as a great joy in our lives. As an invitation to learn about the God of the universe, the God who created us. The God who, who saw it fit to give us these words so that we might know who he is. God, lead us more and more towards you. Transform our hearts and transform our minds. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. Would you stand with me as we continue to worship? <clears throat> and I'm going to read the opening verse to the song we're going to sing because we've already sung it. Holy words long preserved for our walk in this world. They resound with God's own heart. Oh, let the ancient words impart. Holy words long preserved for our walk in this world. They resound with God's own heart, for that the ancient words impart. Words of life, words of hope, give us strength, help us cope. In this world, wherever we roam, oh, ancient words will guide us home. Ancient words ever true, changing me and changing you. We have come with open hearts, oh, let the ancient words impart. Holy words of our 
joining us this morning. Again, if this is your first time here or your first time in a long time, we'd love to get to know you. There's a connection card in the back of your pew. If you would take a few moments to fill that out and bring it to the back of the sanctuary, we'd love to give you just a little bit of gift and to also send you some information about our church. Uh, let me pray for us before we leave this morning. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all as we go forth to make known the gospel to those around us. In Jesus' name, amen.